Hey everyone, I'm Dan Cortler, the host of TED Climate. Each episode, we unpack the problems and solutions of climate change. This season of the show, we're getting into some big ideas that make us optimistic about the future, like meat grown from cells and leather made from mushrooms. And the best part? We look at how building a greener future can be an upgrade instead of a sacrifice. Find and follow TED Climate wherever you're listening to this. This is a CBC Podcast. It's so cold, or so warm, or so wet. For me, and I suspect so many of you, talking about the weather is, well, it's what we do all the time. It's a conversation starter. It's a way to find common ground with a stranger. In days gone by, chatting about the weather could have been chalked up to pleasant small talk. These days, those discussions can also be a bellwether for how people think and feel about climate change. Some will point out the weather isn't normal, with a look of dread in their eyes. Others might say, it's just business as usual, weather's always changing, doesn't mean they say that the climate has. But the science is settled. Study after study confirms this fact. The earth hasn't been this hot in at least a thousand years. And that warming weather, year after year after year, shows us the climate is changing. Welcome to What on Earth, the show that knows there is no planet B. I'm Laura Lynch. As we wind down 2021, we wanted to check in with three people who have been in the eye, so to speak, of this year's storms and extreme weather patterns. And it turns out they use the weather as small talk, too. Hi, Ryan. It's Johanna. (laughs) Hey, Johanna. Hi, Ryan. It's Fiona. Hey, Fiona. How are you? Cold, as I mentioned in my G-chat. Still cold (laughs) from 20 minutes ago. (laughs) What's the temperature there today? Uh, Well, right now it's not that bad, but tonight we're going to be going down to minus 30 and the wind chill be minus 36. So... We're in Ooh. winter now, folks. Oh, man. No goof. I mean, it's just crazy because, like, last week we were, like, five days ago we were six degrees. So it's been a real roller coaster. Like Whiplash, right? It's, it is whiplash yeah. every single day. And I feel like an insane person every time I'm giving the forecast. Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, I feel you there. <laughs> um, before we get uh, started, can I just go and run and grab my bottle of water because I left it in the other... Absolutely. I thought we were going to be in. I'll be two minutes okay, less. No Thank problem. You. <laughs> no worries. Okay, you might recognize those voices depending on where you're listening from. Johanna Wagstaff is a meteorologist and seismologist at CBC Vancouver. Fiona Odlum is a weather specialist for CBC Saskatchewan, CBC North, and CBC Manitoba. And Ryan Snodden is a CBC meteorologist covering Nova Scotia and New Brunswick. And he's back with his water bottle. Hello to you all. Hello, hello. Hello. Hi, Laura. All right, here we go. Dare I ask this group what the weather is like where you are? Let's let's go uh, west to east. Johanna, we'll start with you. What, what's the weather like where you are? Well, I'm not even sure where to start. I, I don't think uh, many of us, meteorologists included, have had a moment to really reflect on uh, what the weather's been like after, you know, back to back to back extreme weather events this year. But we're hoping for a calmer next few weeks as we head into uh, winter and maybe even some, some snow, but uh, nothing too big. I think we could use a big breakout here. 
Fiona? Well, it's interesting. We're actually not looking for calm. We're looking for something really big here in Saskatchewan, and especially in Manitoba, where we've seen so much drought activity. We're hoping that we get lots and lots of snow. And, you know, the last couple of weeks should have been calm for us, but it's been anything but. Okay, we'll get into more of that. And Ryan, how about you? Yeah, we've had a fairly active fall, lots of rain events and thunderstorms, uh, and I think folks are hoping that things maybe uh, actually turn a little bit quiet as we work our way uh, into the end of the year here. Oh, that would be nice. Now, I think uh, everyone agrees that 2021 has been a doozy. (laughs) Fiona, Saskatchewan is, is actually known for extreme weather, but when you look back at the whole year, what was the year like for you? Yeah, you know, you're absolutely right. Saskatchewan, Manitoba, we are really both the boomerang effect here of the country. Uh, This year, just looking at some of the numbers, the hottest day for us was right in the middle of the heat dome. And that hit us on July 2nd, where we hit 40 degrees in Saskatoon and Lucky Lake. But then if you look at the polar extreme of what we can get here in Saskatchewan, we hit uh, minus 48.9 in February in Uranium City. But what really, really surprised us was the heat dome. We did not see this coming in July. And this was a critical problem for Saskatchewan and Manitoba. You know, we are the grain bread basket of the country. We produce a lot of the wheat and a lot of the barley and canola. And farmers were saying in June and early July, yep, my crops have failed. It's over. It was a moment that I personally am never going to forget. Well, you come from a farming family. I do. How did the heat and drought (laughs) affect the family? Yeah, this was really, really tough. So, you know, my mom, she farms now by herself. My dad passed just before the pandemic and she chose to stay on the farm. And, you know, it was a conversation every day. Fiona, make it rain. Fiona, make it rain. (laughs) You know, I thought you could do that. I thought I could do it. And you know what the thing that was wild about this this year was even when I was looking at the models and we would see moments of lows coming in that were going to bring some precipitation because of the heat dome it just was like a sponge it's gone it didn't happen it just like we knew when we would call for things like oh we're going to get a, a millimeter of rain or even half a millimeter of rain we were like okay we'll take it and then it just didn't happen it was day in day out and you just you just mark those days off in your calendar as a farmer and you're just like, I can't go much longer. And then my uncle, who's further north, he has a cattle farm and uh, they experienced something that we haven't had to do either, which was sell off 60% of your cattle mid-season because there was no water. There was no water. There was no shade. There was no food. And uh, I remember, just, yeah, I remember reading about that yeah. to, to hear it up close. But I want to stick with heat for a moment because mm-hmm. health professionals have called this weather event, the heat dome, the most deadly weather event in Canada. And Johanna, I want to come to you on this to talk about how mm-hmm. that heat affected BC in 2021. Yeah, it's so interesting to, you know, hear the the ripple effects in in the prairies. You know, for us, the heat dome uh, was centered over the Pacific Northwest. And, you know, we also saw temperatures that 
people have never experienced not not only in you know this part of Canada but you know this part of the world we've never seen temperatures this high uh, at this latitude and of course uh, Lytton British Columbia hitting 49.6 that's uh, it's a new all-time record for Canada and that really was the catalyst not only for drought here as well uh, but for our record fire season you know Lytton British Columbia hit that record and then burnt to the ground the next day. And I think communities and, and people are still sort of trying to recover from that heat in June and July. We had over 600 people uh, die because of the heat wave. And, you know, it was centered in the Pacific Northwest and we felt those extreme temperatures in the interior. But, you know, even here in, in Vancouver, uh, you know, I've never felt heat like that. Me neither. Humidex. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With a humidex, it was truly unbearable. And I know I'm not the only one who has a story of, you know, camping out in, in a friend's basement with, you know, my toddler for a few nights. And it truly hit everyone in a very personal way. And I don't think anyone's going to forget that one either. And the ripple effects for us, um, you know, are still being seen. The, the stress to our marine life, the stress to our trees, the stress to our soil, we are still trying to figure out what that kind of heat, you know, means for ecosystems. And I think it's going to take years before we truly understand what that will ultimately mean for us. Okay, let's go from that, Johanna, to this past fall, when we had extreme weather in another sense, we had landslides flooding atmospheric rivers that BC experienced in mid-November. Tell me about that. Less than, I think about four months after our incredible heat dome, the heat dome that I thought would be the story we would be talking about for years and years, we had another incredible weather event. This atmospheric river, this plume of moisture brought in rainfall and melting snow like we had never seen before. And it parked itself basically over uh, the center of our critical infrastructure, right over the Fraser Valley, right over our mountain passes, uh, where, you know, a compounding of effects, uh, our infrastructure and, and you know, the way that we, we are using our land. Uh, and that led to, you know, the worst flooding that this province has, has ever seen. And, and again, you know, many of these communities are coming out of that crippling heat dome, are coming out of uh, a historic wildfire season and straight into uh, water levels that, you know, are still up. As we speak, you know, the ground is still sodden and our roads are still cut off. And again, it will be years until we truly understand the impacts of this weather event. And so, you know, for for British Columbians, it's the back to back to back extreme weather events that myself included, I haven't even had a chance to take a break and really reflect on. I'm sure. And Ryan, not to forget you on the other coast, you've had your share of storms in the region too, including your very own atmospheric river in November. How did those rains compare to prior years? Well, yeah, I mean, record-breaking rainfall here, not on the scale of uh, what uh, we witnessed in British Columbia. Uh, But uh, yes, an atmospheric river, the same that uh, originated from the tropics and subtropics and really rained itself out over Cape Breton, eastern parts of mainland Nova Scotia, Cape Breton, and then into southwest Newfoundland as well, where rainfall records were were shattered. And, uh, you know, stats like from Inganish Beach, if you've ever driven the beautiful Cabot Trail, then uh, you've oh, driven yes, through Ingani- Inganish. It's so beautiful, yeah. Yeah. And so that location recorded 279 millimeters of rain in this event. <gasps> And the stat that really stands out to me is that Inganish Beach beat its three-day rainfall record. 
So its previous three-day rainfall record, it broke that in just 18 hours. Wow. With 215 millimeters falling in 18 hours. And so you can imagine what that did to the roads. Uh, lots of washouts. Uh, repairs are still ongoing on the Cabot Trail and, uh, and you know, routes that, uh, that folks uh, need to get in and out uh, and to, to grab supplies. And so it was pretty interesting to see uh, that folks in Port of Basque to get to St. John's actually had to travel across the ferry uh, to Nova Scotia and then take another ferry across uh, to Argentia uh, over to uh, to the Avalon Peninsula in Newfoundland. So before that Trans-Canada Highway, that link was restored. So um, yeah, it was definitely an, an impactful month. And I, th- I think that we, we knew that it was going to be, uh, we, was going to be bad, but, uh, but not quite as bad as it, as it ended up being. Now, Ryan, I just want to give you a chance too to talk about above average temperature. Temperatures, maybe not a heat dome, but but you have been seeing above average temperatures there. Tell me, tell me what that's been like. Yeah, interesting to hear Fiona and Johanna talk about the heat dome and and you know the 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 impacts that that had. Uh, not so much a heat dome here, but just an extended period where we have been seeing warmer than average temperatures record low sea ice in the Gulf of St. Lawrence and and actually record warm temperatures observed the water temperatures in the Gulf of St. Lawrence were were record breaking as well and a lack of sea ice up the coast of Labrador where you know folks rely on that ice to travel and to get from town to town and to get goods and to hunt and to fish and that just kind of snowballed into that warmer than average winter, uh, snowballed into a warmer than average summer. And, you know, what was kind of interesting was that typically when we see these these warmer than average periods, it's also drier than average. And we, you know, we're talking about drought. And that's certainly what we experienced the summer previous was warmer than average temperatures and drier than average. And I don't think I've ever thought of the word drought as being associated with your part of Canada. Yeah. Well, the (laughs) summer previous, definitely lack of rain was a huge issue and wells were going dry. uh, But this past summer, it was the exact opposite. And we had, you know, a lot of rain and also the warmer than average temperatures. So, you know, one of the interesting things that happened here was we had things like a bumper potato crop in PEI, the best in decades, they say. And the farmers in the Annapolis Valley, the apples were great. Uh, We had, uh, you know, the fruits and vegetables did really, really well here because of the all of the rainfall and uh, the warmer than average temperatures. It's so nice to hear a good news story. I'm just going (laughs) to stop for a moment here. You are listening to What on Earth here on CBC Radio 1 and Sirius XM. I'm Laura Lynch and my guests this half hour are Fiona Odlum, Ryan Snodden and Johanna Wagstaff. They're familiar voices for many of you covering changing normals, extreme weather and climate change. From east to west, Ryan is based in Halifax, Fiona in Regina, and Johanna in Vancouver. Now, Ryan, that that idea of average that you were talking about or normal temperatures, is there such a thing as normal anymore? That's a great question. And, you know, it's we're still using... Here in Canada, Environment Canada is uh, is still using the 1981 to 2010 climate averages. So that's the 30-year period uh, that we look at and that we base, okay, that's normal. And so everything is compared to that 30-year time period. But, you know, here in Halifax, um, you know, we've just now uh, gone through our 30th month in a row 
with either warmer than average or near average within a degree. Um, so two and a half years since we had a month below average. And, you know, I thought that might be a story. And I started to collect some of the data and, and write a, a story about that. And then I realized as I looked back that, well, our last impressive streak was actually 52 months in a row from November 2009 through February 2014, 52 months where we had normal to above average temperatures. And then I looked back further in from the late 90s through December 2002, we had a 68-month trend, five and a half years with no colder than average months in Halifax. So, the normal is is definitely shifting, and I'm hoping uh, that we're going to be able to get our, our hands on that 1991 to 2020 30-year uh, normal uh, sooner than later. You sure sound like you've been doing your homework, <laughs> Ryan, although I shouldn't be surprised. Um, Fiona, where do averages fit into your weather reporting? Well, I'm so glad that Ryan has done all the number crunching on this <laughs> because I always try to identify what, quote, is normal. And I use those numbers, the 30-year averages from Environment Canada, like we all do. And, um, you know, I started to feel like a broken record. I'm like, today we're 12. We should be six. You know, like I, I kind of was always doing it in a way to try to reinforce that this isn't normal. Like, I, I agree. It'd be nice if it was from 1991 to 2020. Um, and hopefully they're listening. <laughs> they will make that change because I do think those numbers will budge up a little I bit. Ha- I have a surprise for you. Apparently it's coming next summer. Oh, yes. Oh, Merry Christmas. Christmas. Yes, there you go. <laughs> oh, I, I, I'm guessing most of our listeners know the difference between weather and climate. But I'm wondering how you go about linking the two in your job. And Johanna, let, let's start with you. Yes, this is something that I also think about you know, every day because weather and climate are two very different things. You know, the climate is a long-term average about, you know, a snapshot of of the atmosphere uh, over a longer period of time. You know, the climate that you think about when you think about the West Coast or the East Coast or the prairies at certain times of the year. And then, of course, weather is, you know, what's happening on a day-to-day or much short-term basis. So it really comes down to time scale. But I think, you know, as meteorologists, we sort of uh, offer people an explanation about the one way that we can truly feel climate change, and that is through, uh, you know, the changing, the enhancing, the shifting of weather events. Uh, So, you know, thinking about ways to use weather to communicate climate change is something I know we all do. And using normals and averages, I think, is a good tool we have, especially, you know, as as Fiona said, when we when we talk about what time frame we're using and how that's changed over time, you know, British Columbia on on average, uh, our temperatures have warmed two degrees as a whole um, since the Industrial Revolution and, and breaking that down for different regions and, and being able to talk about how much our baseline has already shifted, I think is, is a really powerful tool that we have as meteorologists. Um, so, you know, being able to talk about how not just daily highs and the temperatures and the, the weather conditions that get us through our days, but the big weather events and being able to help, you know, our audiences understand how they're connected to climate change or, or maybe how they're not connected to climate change change, but how they all fit into the big picture, I think, I think is a really important job that we have. Now, now Ryan, in 2021, I'm I'm wondering um, what the events of 2021 has changed the way you do your job. And I'm thinking particularly about the big events, the storm alerts, the emergency warnings. What's your responsibility with those? Yeah, I think that's something that obviously has come into focus here. And I I think it, it is a fine line. You know, when you see an extreme event coming down the pipeline, much like 
what happened in BC or the floods here in Cape Breton and southwestern Newfoundland, when you see something like that coming and it is a fine line between uh, giving it too much hype, uh, you don't want to, to hype something because, you know, the worst thing you can do is cry wolf and then it doesn't happen um, because then you're going to have a really hard time getting their attention next time. So the biggest challenge is, is we are seeing more of these extreme events, being able to differentiate between what is a forecast model not you know, really having a good handle on things and showing something that's over the top and not going to happen. And, you know, a forecast model that actually has a really good handle on something. And, oh my goodness, this is going to be an extreme event and we really do need to buckle down and prepare. So I think that's that's really something that we've all had to battle with here over the, the last few years as these extreme events become more frequent. And I think that's something that's really going to be of focus here in the next decade or so as these extreme events uh, become more frequent is, you know, finding that balance between giving folks a heads up and, you know, crying wolf. Right. I mean, that must be so stressful for all of you. I mean, I, I can certainly hear it in Johanna's voice out here in Vancouver with what she's been dealing <laughs> with. But Johanna, I'm wondering, and I'm, I'm wanting to know from all of you, what kind of toll does this work take on you? Johanna, you said you barely had time to breathe. It's it's true. And, you know, I've uh, this is almost like the one of the first chances I've had talking about it, you know, so, you know, I was thinking about it uh, this morning before we all we all talked and I was like, I hope I don't get, you know, too emotional sharing all of this really for the first time. Um, and I, I know that's the case for so many people. I, I think I have have literally just gone, you know, from forecasting one extreme to the next to the next and finding ways to help communicate both the risks but also the connections to climate change that you know the few moments that I that I do have to step back have really come to me through um through my young son and you know those moments over the past 6 months where you know I've had to worry about his own safety I think truly and I've talked a lot about climate anxiety um you know as a broadcaster and I honestly I think this is the first time that I I'm truly feeling it. And I, you know, I'm, I'm looking to have conversations with people that offer, you know, hope and positivity because I, I feel like I need it now more than ever. And I know, I know my audiences and uh, viewers feel the same. Ryan, what about you? It's, it's something that I think about as well um, and, and how to cover these events properly and, you know, how to, to step back and unwind and have some reflection once these events are done and having the time to do so, uh, I think is important. And unfortunately, in, you know, cases like Johanna, you just don't have time. It's one after the other after the other, you know truth be told uh didn't really think about say a few years ago but as as things are are progressing here and as i said as events are becoming more frequent i think it's something that uh, not only as uh, broadcasters we should be trying to to relay to the audience but uh, but also trying to uh, to think about for ourselves yeah you need coping strategies do you have one ryan uh i don't unfortunately um <laughs> you know i have i have Two young kids as well, and I think just spending time with them, two young boys, uh, they keep me busy on the weekends, and so that is a good outlet to try and just get away from work. Um, but uh, I've been really trying, like, after the, a long day to sit and and just, you know, breathe and, and relax and try and wind down um, because uh, I don't do enough of that. And, and Fiona, I know this has been a full-on year for you as well. Yeah. What, yeah. what kind of toll has it taken on you? <laughs> well, listen... Y'all did way better than me because I bottomed out. <laughs> you know, this summer when we had the heat dome and then the 
thick, thick smoke billowing in from BC, the tornadoes, the hailstorms, the no rain, you know, and add in the COVID grief as well. And my my coping mechanism is throwing on a backpack and getting lost in the woods or (laughs) riding my bike and falling off hills. I couldn't do it. And that for me was just rock bottom, <laughs> you know, like it, it was. Uh, You're still I'm, laughing. I, I'm laughing now because like, you know, I, it's the only way I can I can manage it because like it was a mess. Like, you know, we're fighting over wearing masks. Well, I'm not wearing a mask. You're wearing. A, why are you wearing a still wearing a mask? And I'm sitting back and the world is burning down. And I'm thinking to myself, we're not we're not going to stop this. We're, like people aren't going to like work to help stop what's happening if we can't even agree on wearing a paper mask on our face. And that's when I was just like, I don't know if I have the guts to do this anymore. Like this is tough. This is tough. And I'll be honest, like I would look at Johanna's Instagram. Her and I both do daily Instagram updates. Some days mine had a big old fake smile on it and I would look at hers and I'd be like, okay, she's still doing it. She's still out there. Fiona, she's- my <laughs> smile was just as fake on some days. Oh my goodness. Just, just as fake. <laughs> yeah. Like I wanted to ask you that because like you go on your walks with your son and your dog and I'm just like, did you ever at any point just sit down in those woods and cry? Oh, I feel like this is unfolding for me as we speak. <laughs> yeah, uh, the holidays can't come soon enough. And I, you know, really relate to Ryan saying my kid is really my outlet. But, oh, you know, Fiona, I, I am having days where I'm like, am I giving our audiences the very best? Is mm-hmm. this the best way that, that I can serve people? You know, there's there's layers of guilt and yeah. and wanting to give that best forecast and communicate it. In the, yeah, so I feel you. Yeah, uh, okay, it. good. But, but Ryan, is there anything else you, you want to say to to Fiona and Johanna or anything you want to ask them? Well, you know, I feel for them both. Thankfully, you know, as as much as um, we did have a, a crazy stormy year here, I was asked and, of course, jumped in uh, headfirst to help out with the Hurricane Larry that also impacted Newfoundland, and so I was covering that story. But I didn't, you know, have to forecast really anything on the scale that they did where you know, besides the, those Cape Breton floods that were quite on the same scale as Fiona and Johanna. So as much as, as you know, things get crazy and things get busy and, and you need time to, to step back, you know, I, I count myself really lucky this year that, uh, that at least here in Atlantic Canada, we didn't have to deal with the, the same types of events that brought such devastating impacts uh, to so, so many people. Well, we will leave it there. But I, I'd just like to say, I'm, I'm sure on behalf of all Canadians, thank you to all three of you for the work that you do day in, day out, and and the load that you obviously bear as things are getting more and more difficult to deal with in the climate, in the weather, and in day-to-day life. So thank you, all of you, so much. I hope you have a good holiday, and and I hope we all have a better New Year. Absolutely. Thanks, Laura. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. So that conversation was about so much more than the weather. I mean, for me, it was a peak at the world beyond the weather charts. And we're hoping to have Fiona, Ryan, and Johanna back with us sometime in the new year. For now, though, thanks to the team here at What on Earth, associate producers Serena Renner and Rachel Sanders, producer Molly Siegel and engineer Matthias Wolfson. Manisha Janakaram is our senior producer. I'm Laura Lynch. I hope all of you get some rest over the holidays. 
Take care. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.